Hey guys, my guest this week is Casey Anderson. Casey is a behavioral health specialist by day, a short fiction writer also by day, uh, and as of recently, an actor by night. Uh, Casey uh, took our uh, acting class at the Mesa Arts Center about a year ago to start kind of a simple intro eight-week class, and uh, Taylor and I both were just like blown away by how natural he was and how quickly he took to it. Uh, and so when we had our, uh, our Reasons to be Pretty uh, auditions coming up recently, we asked him if he would be willing to come to an audition and, and try it out for real. And he blew it away, and he is now the lead in the show. Uh, so I thought it would be fascinating to kind of talk a little bit about <laughs> what it's been like for him, just coming from especially a background of just like straight fiction writing. Like something I just I don't know much about at all is that kind of that prose writing. Um, and transitioning from that into something very performative and uh, maybe a little bit more um, vulnerable in a different way. And uh, Casey has a lot of exciting things, I think, to talk about. And the way he talks about art and language and stuff is just enough to get your heart pumping. It's great. Uh, And I won't do much to plug here um, because he is going to be plugging the show as well. But you all already know uh, Laughing Pig Theater is going to be pretty coming up uh, the end of the month, Friday the 28th, the next Friday now. Uh, also, if you are somebody interested in writing, we are having this writing festival opportunity that's also going to be wrapping up here pretty soon uh, called Shake Smash. It's a short 10-minute and one-act plays uh, inspired in some way by the works of Shakespeare. So kind of in the same way as like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead or even um, like the movie adaptations like uh, Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, stuff like that, anything that kind of is somehow inspired, my own Private Idaho, the Gus Van Sant film, um, anything that's somehow kind of inspired in some way by Shakespeare, like that's the type of stuff that we're looking for. Um, So I I guarantee if you're listening to this and you're thinking you kind of maybe have an idea for it, but you don't know if it would fit, trust me, it'll fit. Like, we really want people to go wild on this. And I think that it's a really good opportunity for people maybe kind of just dabbling in into writing plays because the structure is already kind of there. You just need to put your own little twist on it. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, that's on the Laughing Big Theater page as well. I talked about a little bit more than I expected to on this. Uh, so I'm going to shut up and uh, get to my conversation with Casey Anderson. Welcome to Starving Artist Phoenix. I'm Tony Machete, and I'm with Casey Anderson today. How are you doing, Casey? I'm doing great. Thanks, Tony. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, so I am glad you gave me a little bit of time because we just came off of a, a long, busy rehearsal um, because you are... <laughs> I'm unabashedly promoting myself by doing this interview because <laughs> uh, you are uh, the lead in the play that I'm directing right now, Reasons to be Pretty. Um, but I know this is kind of like your first into this this kind of thing yes. um, so I want to go back to uh, you know uh, in, in history you know back in time and uh, get to the point like before you you kind of like thought about looking into any kind of artistic endeavor and just kind of what where did the inspiration come from and, and what was it like before that um okay well ooh, that's a long ways back <laughs> um, 
You know, I had always been a, a really good student all throughout my life. Uh, the sciences especially came really easy to me. Like life sciences or just all of it or what? But in any form of science, yeah. Any with that kind of, I don't know, is that the right or left brain that they always talk about? I'm left sure it's brain, both, yeah. but you know, the generic <laughs> term. Uh, yeah. That was always very easy and fascinating to me and I loved it. Um, and so I was studying pre-med. My brother's an anesthesiologist. I had my whole life planned out. I, I was going to become a plastic surgeon and I was going to do it, mainly like cleft lip, cleft palate repairs because I feel I would be more proud to tell people that than say, yeah, I just did a bunch of boob jobs or something, <laughs> you know, so. I of curiosity, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but do you feel like that's why most plastic surgeons get into like the, the cosmetic surgeries and stuff is they like, I want to, I want to fix people. I want to, you know, bring people back to a place where they're comfortable with themselves. And then do they just get into like the, the Hollywood type of shit? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I got to shadow my brother. Uh -huh. So I got to see a lot of different kinds of surgeries and I got to hang around with some plastic surgeons as well. And you know, I think there's this um, stereotype that we have that yeah. they're like these nip tuck kind of fellows. And yeah, I'm sure there are, but the ones that I knew, that was just kind of something that they did because it brought in a lot of money and helped them do the other stuff, the other surgeries that probably aren't quite as lucrative, but that they find more fulfillment in, I suppose. Um, Cleft palates and burns and things like that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I was writing uh, back and forth with a, a guy from Idaho who quit private practice completely and just Goes around the world now and just does um, cleft lip palate repairs wow. full time. So yeah, I, w I was in fully entrenched in that, and, and 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 I was studying, and I was about done. I was in OCHEM, so I just had OCHEM one and two left, and my physics classes, and then I was going to be done. All my pre med um, requisites would have been out of the way, and um, and I never really read growing up. But I, I started reading while I was in college, and, and then I got into books. And I was reading this one guy, Cormac McCarthy, if I can plug him there. <laughs> no, <laughs> he needs it. He's struggling. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and, you know, right now he's really huge. But yeah. before, he was completely unknown because he only cared about his craft. I mean, there's, there's stories about where he was kicked out of like $40 a month hotels because he couldn't pay his rent. And at the same time, he was getting offers to go speak at universities for thousands and thousands of dollars, but he was saying no. I mean, he's this big recluse that... So anyway, I, I was reading Cormac McCarthy, and um, I, I realized that uh, there was this completely different uh, world out there in literature where you can make somebody feel something with just words, just stupid, pointless words, you know? I, and it, it blew me away, I guess, because, you know, I didn't really read as a kid. The only reading I did was dialogue in video games or something. So it, it, it really bothered me that I, I, here was this guy being able to make me, somebody he doesn't even know, has never even thought about, feel all these different powerful, powerful things with just stupid words on a page. And it, it just got to me. So, yeah, you know, I, d I decided, okay, m maybe I'll, I'll look into this a little bit more. So I, I switched my major over to English. And 
you know, that could only help my chances to get into med school anyway. They like people that have strange majors. My brother was a Japanese major. So um, I, I thought, okay, this will, this will help me in that. And I, and I started taking these English clashes and they kicked my ass at <laughs> first because I had no idea how to read critically and how to use these different lenses to read these stories. And, and then I, I finally take a creative writing class and um, it kind of forces my hand to try and do the very thing that first captivated me and made me want to get into literature in the first place. Um, so I started writing some short stories um, and I submitted them in uh, these uh, competition, not competition, but it was like apply for this writer's retreat mm. um, that the school is putting on. So I did, and then they took us up to a cabin one weekend. Um, there were about 12 of us, um, and then about six or eight professors there with us too. And it was great, and it was a lot of fun, and I felt really excited that I was being recognized for something that I had put a lot of work into. I mean, writing is is agonizing work. I mean, you stare at this blank page and it stares back at you and makes fun of you that you can't come up with anything. And then you try and you write a sentence and then you realize that sentence is shit, so you gotta change things up. And, and, and everyone, everyone has their own styles. Mine is probably not very productive, um, but I will force these sentences out and rework them before going on because I will have these things in my head, how I want it to sound, the cadence, this rhythm that I expect. Anyway, um, so I'm up in this writer's retreat and they're having us write a bunch, um, but it, it's up in these mountains and it's beautiful and it's snowy out, so I'm finding myself walking around a lot too and some professors are doing the same and I'm carrying around Sutri by Cormac McCarthy, another plug for <laughs> him, and, and it's Sutri is, it's this book by him that's like really not read by many people. It's one of his longer ones and it's one of the more plotless, completely boring ones. But it, it with Blood Meridian is probably the most powerful use of language in his entire repertoire. And one of the professors saw me that I was reading Sutri and nobody right? Nobody reads Sutri. They read uh, No Country for Old Men, or The Road, or All the Pretty Horses. Um, and they were just floored that here was this stupid kid reading Sutri. So they talk to me, and, and we start, you know, I start fanboying over McCarthy, and they're giving some pretty succinct ideas about what they think, and I'm just blown away. And then the writer's retreat ends, and then one of these professors emails me, hey, send me something that you wrote. I want to read it. Um, so I send him something I write, and he really, really liked it. And um, we became friends from that. And, and I became friends with another professor um, through that relationship. And it just became where I would go to their offices a lot and would chat, play darts, joke around. I think they liked having me around because... Uh, th they like to make fun of me as well, you know? <laughs> um, so it, it just became this wonderful relationship, and then I'm talking to this one professor, and he says, you know, you should probably just... Uh, who are you fooling with this pre-med stuff? Uh, just 
you know, just write. There are enough uh, doctors out there. You know, there's not enough writers. And, and I was kind of being tempted to do that. I don't know if, you know, subconsciously I was fooling myself and I was really just terrified of going to med school anyway because how much work it was and I secretly wanted to drop that dream anyhow. But eventually, yeah, I just completely dropped it, switched over to English full-time, and, and that, that was kind of what got me to uh, work at this wilderness therapy once I got my degree in English, because I had nothing else I could do with that degree. Um, so uh, I want to go back to a couple of things that you, that you brought up through that. So first off, you said that you just kind of started reading in, in college. So who, who put the book in your hand? Was it somebody who was like, do you got to check out? Cormac McCarthy, or did you just kind of stumble upon him? What, where did that come from? Yeah, um, so Cormac McCarthy, I, I stumbled a, uh, upon him. It was just happenstance. Honestly, I was, it was a Saturday, and me and my roommates were just watching TV, which was very rare. We would mm -hmm. usually just go do something. There were so many amazing people to just go hang out with, people doing interesting things, but for some reason, this Saturday, we just stayed in, and we were watching TV, and he was flipping through channels, and he comes across No Country for Old Men. And, and you can tell it, it's got to be based off of a book, because there's little dialogue for long periods of time. You know, it's very contemplative, and, and it, it's not often you see a movie like that. And so I look it up, and sure enough, it, it's this guy that wrote this book called No Country for Old Men. And, then I keep reading some more articles, and then I hear everyone talk about Blood Meridian. And, and these are like the hoity-toity uh, yeah. literary people. Mm. Really pretentious, and that really fits in with my personality. <laughs> if, if people say something is great, I'm going to read it just because, you know, I want to so, be part of that group. Yeah, you kind of have like aspirations of pretension. You, you want to be one of the literati type of people. Yes. But even is it as a pre-med student, do you feel like you... you considered yourself a person of like good taste and, and that type of thing oh yeah yeah <laughs> i mean the movies i watched i i was very into and i call them film not movies <laughs> because right i'm not a cretin <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh so yeah i i feel like i had good taste and if not i i sure as hell did my research and read what other people thought was good taste, I guess. So was that, was that something that you were always interested in? Like, did movies come first, I guess, when you were a kid? Like, did you, did you get in, influenced to start watching movies as well by something? Or was that something? Yeah, I mean, I, at that point, I, I, I prided myself in watching good movies. But it was uh, a few semesters after where I had a roommate that makes films and had one... Uh, like best sci-fi short at the Houston Film Festival. Um, he would have film Thursdays, so he would sit us all down and we would watch these great films. But before, he would have this like five minutes where he would talk and he would tell us about the film and the lenses. And I just thought it was so fascinating learning all of that. Um, what was your question? I, <laughs> I, I guess I was curious, like you, you said that you didn't really ever read, but um, at that point, by the time you started reading, you already considered yourself someone who had good taste in movies. So where did the good taste in movies come from, I guess? Where did the desire to, to cultivate a good taste in movies come from when you were a kid? 
Uh, when I was a or kid, younger, or younger, I guess. I, I mean, when I was a kid, I was always asking my my mom mm. questions nonstop, and mm. she would graciously answer a lot of them. But there were a few times I remember seeing, like Flubber, for instance. Yeah. I was a kid when that came out, and I watched it, and it was marketed towards kids. But <laughs> even then, I knew this is a pretty dumb movie. Why am I supposed to like this? This isn't good. So I don't know. I. I would say that, yeah, probably I had better taste than most kids. So was it, what was missing, do you think, like from those movies that you didn't think were good? What was missing? Yeah. <sighs> Coherent plot? I don't know. Um, so it was the story. It, it's always kind of been the story. I don't know. But maybe as a kid, yeah. Mm -hmm. But definitely when, when I got into literature, I... I I sort of gravitated towards those books that were plotless. Mm. I don't know. I, I, it, it's almost like I feel like it's a higher art if they're able to get away with making something still engaging and beautiful without using plot to kind of keep you reading, I guess. Because it's great, and I do love books with plot, but... They're, they're, Okay, this is me showing how pretentious I am, but I, I, what, what am I trying to say? So is this like, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I just feel like, I, at least in literature, mm -hmm. if, if you're able to just keep people engaged based off of language alone, that is the highest form of literature, I guess, because that's, kind of what it has over other art forms, mm. I guess. Language, I suppose. And, and, and maybe that's what drew me into Cormac McCarthy. He, he's very verbose. He's got this Baroque style, you know. Does any of this make yeah, sense? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so, uh, so when, you were, when you found No Country for Old Men and you found the books of it and, and kind of went into Blood Meridian from there, which I know is his kind of big one that's his kind of calling card book, you had already had an appreciation for that kind of storytelling, I guess. Um, but you, it seemed like you didn't realize it could be done with just words. I guess that's that's the like the thread that I'm I'm uh, you know weaving in my head is that it seemed like you you appreciated a good uh, a, like a powerful story in a movie, but it was I guess the the realization or something that that same thing could be done without images or like the images could be created within you. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. You know, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to be. Uh, I, I'm not any sort of you know like. Um, a spokesperson for any form of art, but mm. it seems like uh, music has notes, and that's kind of what carries it. And mm. and uh, the visual arts have uh, obviously visuals mm. and colors and contrasts, and and it just seemed like this was the highest level of play for this kind of art form, I suppose. I see. I see. Okay. Got you. So you, you developed an appreciation for it. And then um, you, you mentioned that uh, when you got into like the creative writing classes, like you, you said, like, this is why I, I wanted to get into this. Um, so when you started reading, were you instantly 
inspired to try it yourself? Did, were you instantly inspired to become a writer? Hmm. Or how did, that, how did that develop? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think this, this goes in along with this whole acting experience that I'm trying out. Um, I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't stand um, being so moved by something without being able to, I guess, do it myself in some sort of fashion. I guess, um, and maybe that, maybe that has something to do with the fact that I, I, I was the youngest of like six boys, so I was always watching them like play video games or something, and I always wanted to, you know, try, but they never would let me until they started moving away, and okay, now it's my turn. Um, but yeah, I, 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 just, I can't stand being moved by something that I think is unbelievably beautiful mm-hmm without saying, hey, I want to try my hand at that. Just I the want... audacity of talent. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. I just, you know, to, it, it, it's not so much, at least I hope, and I'm saying that it's not like some uh, ego thing, mm. but I want people to be able to, to feel those kinds of things that I felt. So if I can do that with my stories, with, with my version of this experience then yeah that's awesome i would i that's i love that and i don't care that they're okay i I do care that they're reading me and they give me credit but i just i want it to be good and i want them to be moved in some way because i certainly as hell am so did you find yourself um emulating him a lot in your writing at first or when did you start to develop your own voice yeah Yeah, um yes definitely and those professors they told me, hey, like, this is good. You're doing a good copy of McCarthy here, but let McCarthy be McCarthy. Do your own thing. So um, they would give me recommendations. So I, I, I read, like, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and he's, like, one of the greatest writers. Um, he's from, like, Colombia or somewhere in, in South America, and, and his language is totally different. And... And it, it just, the more I was able to read other people whose style, mm-hmm. and I think I always put style ahead of plot or maybe even substance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's pretty substantive right there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 any person's style, I would try and steal little bits from. Their, their rhythm, their use of metaphor or whatever. I, so I, eventually you just steal from so many people. I mean, you've got your own little salad there, I guess. Did you find yourself relating um, as strongly to other writers? Like, did you, did you find the same things in them that, um, that inspired you like those first few books did? Mm, the only thing that's really kind of, uh, I think, captivated me in the way that early McCarthy did was probably David Foster Wallace, who uh, is just, I mean, he was a prodigiously talented writer, and there was something about his writing where he knew he was smart, and he knew he was good, and he didn't hold back. And that was really cool, and, and he made it fun, I guess. So he, he finally got me away from that McCarthy, all right, let's see what we can do without plot, Let's see what we can do with just language. Hmm. And said, 
no, hey, we can make this fun as hell. You know, we can have a great time while we're also being very artistic, I guess. And it, and it was a riot. Infinite Jest was a hilarious book with some of the most ridiculous, uh, stupid things in it. But I, afterward, after finishing it, I, I felt like sad. It was weird for like three days afterward. It was like my journey with these characters and this world that he built is it's over now so yeah I, I would say recently I have and it was probably David Foster Wallace that has moved me quite as much as him so were you approaching um this kind of general research with the intention I guess of Kind of like, I guess, when you're watering down your, your other influences, kind of like, you know, picking and choosing. Were you, were you dissecting the, the technique as you were reading? Or was it, were you trying to just read the content for what it was and, and just kind of hope something stuck? Yeah, um, I, 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 I probably don't do it as, I don't have a method to dissect their writing probably as much as I should. Hmm. Um, just because I think that would take so unbearably long reading someone and okay, pause, okay, how did they just do this? Um, so I think at first I just kind of let it diffuse. I just read, just enjoy it. And I'll always go back and read portions and maybe then I'll get into it a little bit more, kind of dive headlong in to see why did that part work? Why did why did this part not as much, I suppose? But yeah, I, I'm, I'm always doing it hoping to learn something in this new style that this other person has, their voice. So what did you see in your own voice as, as it became a little bit more unique? What, what do you think was kind of your, your style as you, as you developed it? Oh, boy. Um, my style... Um, I definitely like to, I don't know, I, I definitely want to tell, I want there to be little snippets that will give you hints of a better, bigger picture, I suppose. I, I guess I try to, and it's hard at times, to do as little as possible, I guess get away with as little as possible mm. as far as like telling obviously you're they beat you over the head with the whole show don't tell but i mean how, how do you do that how do you how do you show okay this character is feeling this way without relying on sort some sort of crutch of an omniscient narrator that knows how they're feeling or a first person narrator saying i'm feeling like this you know, how, how do I challenge myself to tell this without doing it the easy way, I guess. Sure. So, so do you think that's, that's kind of the struggle that you've kind of been dealing with this, this entire time through your kind of career is uh, the, the, the ease of a narrator? <laughs> is, it, is, that, is that maybe part of what, what led you maybe into exploring, like, something more theatrical, just uh, understanding that... No, on when you're on stage and you're the actor, you you can't just say, hey, "Now I'm sad." Hmm. I mean, I don't know that 
that the literature and the 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 acting are any way correlated. Um, I think it it has more to do with the fact that I feel like I can point out good acting. I feel like I can spot someone that's really doing a bang up job, and um, and I had this opportunity to take an acting class, and it's very outside of my comfort zone. And and maybe that's kind of along with the writing is get me out of my comfort zone. One, what's not easy, I guess. So. So yeah, I, 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 I just took an acting class on a whim and tried it out and realized, holy hell, this is so hard. This is unbelievable. And I really appreciate it when people are able to, uh, I think the most noticeable thing is have their voice in this one register the whole time. <laughs> you know, because I, I, I hear myself doing that and I'm just, is going on? Why am I saying it like this all the time? So, so, yeah. so I, I don't know. I mean, the reason I bring it up is that I feel like the, I, just like you said, you know, music has notes, um, visual, visual art has images, um, uh, literature has the written word. Um, I feel like when it comes to theater, like you have you, you have yourself, mm. like you have your your body in space, um, and it has a voice. And those are the, the tools that you have. And, I mean, you, of course, you get the script and you get scenery and costume and that all helps. Just like this, you know, dressing and decoration with the other stuff you can have as well. But um, it seems like there's, there's maybe an unconscious correlation with uh, just that, that challenge as, as well. Like the fact that you said you think you can point out good acting and you are somebody who um, feels personally kind of challenged or personally inspired by people doing good work to try and do it yourself. I mean, I think that... You know, it's, it seems like it's the same approach um, from, from where you came with, uh, with the writing, maybe. I don't know. And so I, I'm, I'm curious uh, if there's any, anything stylistically that you found um, you're drawn to when it comes to uh, watching, like acting and, and, you know, maybe portraying them or like even when you're watching other actors work and, mm-hmm. and um, things that compel you about that. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I, like, in all these rehearsals we have, I am blown away at how easy they make it to just say a line and make it sound real, <laughs> you know, because, oh my gosh, and, and to be so nuanced, I suppose, um, that's one of the things I really enjoy in actors is when they're subtle and they're nuanced, and my problem is I have these eyebrows that almost fly off my face. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? So, and, and I want to tone it down, but it, it's just like there's so many things to be thinking of, in, especially in stage acting, yeah. because you don't have a camera that's, you know, tight on you, you know, this small little box, so you know that you can get away with doing something small. You know that just a little twitch of a muscle on camera can translate to people watching it. They will, they will see that. But this stage thing, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Had to be big and small at the same time. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, so I am, I, I'm tripping all over the place, but I am having a blast. I think it's great. And occasionally, I will hear myself say something, and I'll be like, yeah, okay, that's <laughs> it. You know, you've said that 
to someone with a similar emotion with that. So say it like that more often, and it, it, the the puzzle just kind of fits, comes together a little bit. And then your director will be like, ah. <laughs> yeah, interesting choice. Um, I don't think uh, we should go with that. Um, no, I, I just it seems to be you know uh, a, a lot of what you're saying is like you you appreciate doing a lot with a little, and um, I. I wonder, like, I guess where that came from or where that appreciation came from, because that seems to be the through line with a lot of what you're talking about. Because um, I think that, you know, the, the kind of subtle, nuanced acting that you're, that you're talking about, I mean, that is the type of stuff you'd see in, you know, a, a novel adaptation. Like, uh, you know, with Tommy Lee Jones in um, No Country for Old Men. Like, he, uh, Ryan Gosling in Drive, I think, what, he has, like, 60-something lines throughout the whole movie. But it, and so... Um, I'm assuming you like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Un- unbelievable. <laughs> and, and I think that's the movie that made me love Gosling. Yeah. Because to me, before the Drive, he was the, uh, the, the notebook guy. But then I saw that and I thought, all right, this guy. I think that's also why he did that movie, probably. It's like, I'm not going to be the fucking notebook guy anymore. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God. Even uh-huh. if I don't say another word. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that that's an interesting thing. Um, and maybe, I mean, do you feel like you've always been somebody who's been kind of animated in your own life? (laughs) Um, Yes. I'm the youngest of 12 kids. So um, as as a a, uh, method of survival, yes, (laughs) I've always been big and I've always been expressive and, and, and part of me, yeah, enjoys being theatrical, Mm -hmm. like in person to person conversations. I like that. But to, to cut it out off on stage is, I'm, I'm really fighting with that, my natural urge to be too expressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, knowing that this is a stage performance, you can't, they can't see that little thing. Not that I would even be able to pull it off anyway, <laughs> but... Well, I, I wonder if that, I mean, that uh, propensity for, for being animated led to, like, your, your respect or your appreciation for people who, who uh, were able to kind of develop that because um, you weren't able to fight for it so much. And uh, maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe that, uh, that desire to um, absorb kind of those subtleties and nuances kind of fed into your, your day job that you have now working with people and, and hoping to kind of read and understand people in that way. Um, who aren't willing to give you a lot to work with. Uh, I wonder if that all kind of connects together that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely think that helps me um, read um, these people that I'm working with in behavioral health. Yeah, absolutely. I, can, I feel like I can read body language really well. And, or either that or, or people are just really bad at hiding it, and <laughs> maybe both. But yeah, I think it definitely does help. Do you think that's also given you a certain level of patience with trying to understand something, having to decipher like these texts that are, you know, kind of abstract and and artistic, that type of thing? How so? Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm maybe I'm, I'm reaching a little bit, but um, it seems like uh, when you're looking at you know like a James Joyce, Ulysses, that type <laughs> of thing, just just even the the idea of I mean you just chuckled when I said it like it's it notoriously um, fights people interpreting it or understanding it or even getting through it and maybe maybe approaching literature in that way approaching it in the the idea that you're going to read these big daunting texts infinite jests um, you know that uh, does also kind of have a stigma of like being 
a big a big thing to get through. Um, maybe just, I don't know, that has led to an understanding in your, your day-to-day life of uh, taking on daunting tasks and, and deciphering things one page at a time or one, uh, one conversation at a time. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, no doubt. Um, you know, I think this whole um, engagement with the arts mm. that has come in this latter portion of my life there is no doubt it has helped me better be a better human, to be more understanding of crappy or misunderstood people. Hmm. And so when I've got these kids just cursing at me, swearing at me, it's, it's a lot easier um, to sympathize with them and let them just express themselves the best way they know how, yeah. you know? They're teenagers. They, they're still trying to figure out what it's like to feel these things and mm-hmm. express them. So I think that there's no doubt that film, acting, and writing has, has all contributed, yeah, to being able to um, work with people yeah. in that kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you've always been kind of uh, like, and they say in high fidelity, like a professional appreciator of art. Um, and it, I think that you can't appreciate art without having a, a massive amount of empathy. And so that probably goes hand in hand. Um, so now that you are in the, in the midst of the acting uh, and world and stuff, I mean, how, how has this transition been for you? And I mean, I know that you're probably going to have to choose your words carefully so as not to bruise my fragile ego. Um, but how, how has this transition been for you, kind of being thrown into the, the deep end of it? Especially with, I mean, you know, that's one thing to work for a, a professional theater who has, you know, grant money behind them and a, and a you know, a reserved space, a dedicated space with, you know, real chairs and everything <laughs> built up for it. But I think, I mean, it's a, it's a full other challenge into itself to work in black box theater like we're doing now. Um, so, I mean, what, what has this been like for you? <laughs> hard. <laughs> it has been very hard. Very, very difficult. Um, and, and, and it seems kind of the same way with uh, when I when I turned into a reader and a writer. It was so unbelievably hard. Um, but this, I think, has even been more so. It has been really difficult, but man, it's been a blast. It has challenged me in all sorts of ways that I didn't expect. And I've... Uh, f- been able to memorize a hell of a lot more than I thought I could. Um, but it has, it has been so fun. And it has been um, just humbling to, to be a part of something like that. And to see people just who know what they're doing. And can, Let's not give them that, that much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, but really, they're, yeah. they're just unbelievable that they're, they're able to pick up on these things that I hadn't even thought of, and they're able to deliver these lines in these effortless ways that, that I don't see. And, and for me, I feel like I have to be super expressive to express it, but I, I don't. And, and they're showing me that every single time. And yeah, it's been a new experience, but it's been fun. It has been great, and it's definitely something I want to keep trying. Just because, you know, I, I really enjoy it. I, I don't expect anything to, to come out of it. I think writing will still be kind of my home base. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, I love it. Excellent. I think that's about probably I'd like to wrap up and ask the last couple of questions I ask everybody. First off, is there anybody in any discipline, anything in, in town specifically that you'd want to give a recognition to, any shout outs to? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, Laughing Pig Theater. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the arts, man. There's, you know, I'm, I'm in Mesa and it just yeah. doesn't seem like we have anything going on here, which isn't true. There are people, you know, like, like you guys at, or at Laughing Pig Theater yeah. that are, are doing these artful productions that want people to enrich their lives. <laughs> but, but I understand it, it's difficult because yeah. this place really doesn't let, it's not conducive for people knowing that all these things are going on, these beautiful, wonderful things. Do you feel like there's anybody in like the literary world around town that you've been able to expose yourself to? No, I, I haven't read any local writers. No, I, I probably should. <laughs> I look like a jackass now. Okay, but, that's uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. that's uh. fun. But no, um, I, I, don't, I don't know of any local writers. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's 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 kind of telling because I honestly, before like getting to know you and your backstory, like I I couldn't really say that I really knew any either. And I think that that's you know maybe shows that there probably is a a, a large amount of people who do write, but it isn't kind of like you said in, in Mesa and the surrounding areas. It's not exactly you know hoisted on people's shoulders and, and carried around town. Okay. Um, you Absolutely, know. And, and and at least most of the people I know. We write short stories, mm-hmm. um, and who the hell reads short stories? <laughs> Nobody, uh, very few people are those that subscribe to literary magazines and keep up to date with these short stories coming out. And, and even if not in a magazine, few people buy short story collections, mm-hmm. especially in fiction. Nonfiction, yeah, maybe, but yeah, it's, it's difficult. Next thing I'd like to ask, um, anything, you know, in your own life or whatever you'd like to promote? Promote? Yes. All right. (laughs) Here we go. Well, the end of this month, we've got a play coming on. Reasons to be Pretty by Neil LeBute. Four-person play. It's in a small, very intimate black box theater. It's going to be amazing. Just wonderful, wonderful professionals that have just put their heart and soul into this production. So yes, I'm I'm very excited for it to happen. Um, so yeah, one more. I've been plugging that too. More info on the page. Um, last thing I'd like to ask is if you would give a piece of advice to somebody who might be inspired to follow a similar path to what you've taken. What would you want to give them? I just do it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I could be a doctor now. I could be making a boatload <laughs> of money, but someone else will be a doctor. You know, I remember reading this in a humanities book where they they said, you know, eventually, if it weren't Albert Einstein, somebody would have discovered his theories. Absolutely. They're natural laws. Um, Someone will discover them. But nobody is going to read the book that you write or paint the painting that you do or portray a character on stage that you will. You know, the creative process so individual to each person that yeah we all should probably try out the arts more why not 
why not just do it try out the arts because no one will be able to produce the art that you can produce fuck einstein <laughs> nothing about him is special <laughs> if we've learned anything from discussion yeah fuck einstein <laughs> casey anderson thank you so much yeah thank you Special thanks to Nick Machete for writing our theme music and Taylor Machete for all of her support. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, don't forget to follow us and leave nice ratings on Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Pinecast.co. And if you or someone you know is pursuing something artistic in the Phoenix area and you'd like to be on the podcast, write to me at starvingartistphx at gmail.com.